0: Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Gold Bazan. Today we're going to be discussing, doing pretty much a preview and then hopefully going to do an analysis with the great... If you guys know Scott McIntyre, you know his great work with uh, Asian football and also Scott will be talking about the Asian Games podcast which is following alongside a colleague of his, uh, Paul Williams, which is another great uh, football journalist that, in regards to uh, Asian football. And then we have our very own c Nice Siamion of Gold Bazan. Guys, um, different parts of the world, and Scott is talking to us all the way from Japan, Sina, all the way from the UK, and myself, in the United States, unfortunately. Um, how you doing, Scott? I mean, it's morning from your end, midnight.
1: <laughs> Very good, uh, Sina, you know, I'm passionate, it's, uh, it's, it's a real privilege and an honor for me to be on with you guys, you do, um... Fantastic work for uh, for Iranian football, but more than that as well, you know, Asian football and um, and everybody that's interested in it's a fantastic um, resource, part of a pool of you know great um, podcasts and websites uh, that exists across Asia, and, and you guys are at the forefront of that. So um yeah, congratulations and keep up the good work because I know how hard it can be at uh, at times to keep doing this kind of thing. You know, you're often caught by uh, a lot of grief from people who don't agree with certain aspects or whatever. But um, yeah, it's a it's a wonderful resource.
0: Oh man, I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. And how are you doing today, Sina?
1: I'm very well, thank you, posh It's great to
2: be on again. I mean, it's been a while since me and you've been on the same pod, so uh, yeah. of course it's it's a pleasure as always to be speaking to you, and of course um, uh, it's a pleasure to have uh, to have Scott as well. You know, he's he's been a, a friend of the pod for a long time, of course, as you know, and and uh, I'm I'm really excited to be educated by him uh, ahead of uh, ahead of this uh, massive Champions League tie.
0: No, exactly. And this is why we're going to have Scott on to pick his brains about Kashima Andlers right now, actually. Scott, obviously, um, your work has, you just pretty much know everything inside and out, um, being very well connected with everything that is happening. As you can imagine, um, probably even goes for Kashima Andlers, even their fans or just, you know, the J League fans. And then from our end, Iranian football fans that watch it, we, don't, we might not know much about Kashima Annelies, we just might have heard about them and vice versa. Could you uh, let us know about, you know, how they got to the final? What is their situation? Like, I know they're a powerhouse, but if you could just give us a little bit of an in-depth by Kashima Annelies, we would really appreciate it.
1: I think what you said is exactly right, and this is one of the problems that we have, um, and maybe we can talk about this a little bit later on, with the Champions League in general, in that, um, I mean, even, I don't know what it's like so much in the West, but certainly here in the East, I mean, you know, if you talk to someone from uzbekistan about an australian club or someone from japan about a thai club and you know and on and on and on and <clears throat> there's really um i guess little knowledge or or understanding even of what the domestic uh, situation is like in those leagues let alone the fact that when we stretch it right across you know to, to south asia and and uh and certainly up to the west so i don't know how on on Earth, we're going to kind of solve this problem and bring everyone back into the one happy family, but uh, you're absolutely right in what you said. That you know, if you spoke to, uh, I think, the average Japanese uh, fan on the street, they might not even know that the Champions League is on, although now that Kashmir in it, they might. But um, you know, if you said to, to them about Iran, maybe they could name uh, you know, the two uh, historical big clubs from Tehran in, in Vesopolis and Esteghlal. but uh, outside of that, um, they'd struggle to uh, you know, to, to identify which one's red and which one's blue and you know, name names and all this kind of stuff. So, I understand. You know, equally from the West, that uh, that Kashima is um, a bit of a mystery as well. The whole club is actually a bit of a mystery that uh, that it even exists. I mean, the actual region uh, where it comes from is, uh, you drew it on the map. Maybe only a hundred kilometers outside of Tokyo, so maybe a bit over that. But uh, it's very much a rural um, area. Of, Farmland. I, I took the train out there uh, for the uh, the first leg of the semi final. Most people take the bus from Tokyo, which takes a. Um, it's still a long time. you can take you two three hours on the bus, but the train it took me four or four and a half hours, kind of meandering. You know, it takes you an hour to get outside of the metropolis of Tokyo, and then you you slowly into the farmland. This train stopping at random at places along the way. There was one train station uh, literally in the middle. Of two. Um, kind of rice fields on, on either side with no discernible reason why it would even be uh, stopping there. And, you know, so this is the kind of place, uh, the the prefecture where, where Kashmir is based. And when the J-League uh, was formed, I mean, they were next to no chance of, of even getting um, a J-League license. I think the the guy that was in charge of the, the licensing system at that time said they've got a 99.99% chance of not. Getting in, but they got strong uh, local backing from the community, a uh, very strong uh, government backing, uh, and, and a little bit of uh, finance and support. And then, of course, the whole thing with Zico uh, coming to the club. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess uh, against all odds, they got this J League license. And then uh, from then, They've had a very deep connection with Brazil and Brazilian football through uh, Zico. I, I think they've uh, only on very few occasions had even Japanese coaches uh, at the helm. The majority of the time they've been led uh, by Brazilians almost always. Their foreigners are all um, Brazilians, often quite the good ones, as we can see with this squad as well. I've got a couple of really good uh, Brazilians, but since they've gone uh, since then they've gone on to become a powerhouse of the game. I mean, uh, I think they've won more league titles than anyone else. They've won a lot of uh, yeah, league cup titles, Empress Cup uh, Titles uh, have a lot of players coming through the youth academy into the into the senior setup, and it's still against all odds that this kind of uh, you know story is happening. And and then I think everyone knows what happened a couple of years ago when they they reached the Club World Cup uh, when it was here in Japan and made it all the way to the final, where they pushed uh, Real Madrid uh, right until the end of that game, and arguably had um, the better of that uh, game for long periods as well. And I think for a long time we've seen Japanese clubs, perhaps not. Um, you can say, take uh, the ACL as seriously as as they could have. And and they should have. And indeed, we saw that this year uh, with a couple of teams, Cereso or Osaka uh, in particular, that uh, for some reason only known to them, uh, would consistently send their B team to all these kind of away matches in the ACL and were, were thankfully bundled out uh, at, at the group stage. And Kashima have on occasion been like that when they've been in the ACL uh, in the past. But I think it, it really kind of hit home you know, the success that they had in the Club World Cup and, and wanting to be back on that stage. I think as much for the Japanese clubs as much as winning the ACL um, is a big honour and a big thing. Uh, you know, for now we don't know what's going to happen with uh, with FIFA and all these uh, myriad new tournaments that are uh, you know reportedly sprouting up. But for now we've got at least one more Club World Cup, and, and I think that um, as much as winning the ACL on a standalone merit is, is an absolutely um, you know driving a force uh, for Kashmir. They put a lot of um, resources into it. They brought Zico back out. Uh, to japan actually he's been in the country i think for the the past two months now uh, kind of traveling up and down uh, all around the country uh, watching games uh, making kind of scouting reports and analysis uh, on the squad for them which is uh, a little bit ironic in the way that he had a reputation when he was actually the, the japan national coach of not uh, famously traveling outside of tokyo so he's probably done more uh, traveling in his uh, in, in his time now the last couple of months back with kashima than he has uh, when he was in charge of the national team, but it, it shows the lengths that you know they're prepared to go to to make sure they have a you know, success in this tournament. The J League has been accommodating in. Of course, it's the, it's the end of the domestic season here. There's only four matches to go in the J-League. So, you know, they've had a lot of um, fixes rearranged, uh, a lot of midweek uh, matches. And in fact, they've, they've pretty much since the end of the World Cup break uh, played uh, three games a week for that whole time. So you're talking uh, two and a half, uh, almost three months now of, of three matches a week. So you would think it would lead to burnout. There have been a few injuries um, in the squad, uh, I guess uh, probably partly as a result of that. But, uh, you know, they're really doing all they can, uh, you know, to, to try and um, make the final, which they have, and, and now I want to
0: make sure that I win it. Well, that's uh, fantastic, Scott. Thank you very much. Sina, I'm now coming back to you. Um, before, obviously, we get into in the gist of talking about Ishmael, could you tell us about, you know, you watched Paris Bledis in the Iranian league. Let, other, uh, let the listeners know about, you know, how you know Bronco and his team got here and the work Bronco has done, which he's pretty much been a revolution between Paris Police. Uh, if you could just t- touch base on that for us.
2: Sure. I mean, it's a very... Uh... I'm not a person, but it's kind of heartwarming to, to see the, the club having gone through so many problems recently to to uh, have such a, a fantastic achievement and, and reach the, the final for the first time in their history. And this is a club uh, that has had some of the best players in, in Asia uh, play for them. And, and uh, to be honest, uh, we both know they've probably had better teams on paper, but um, yet they were not able to, to reach this stage uh, ever before them. Uh, they had the most semi. Uh, they had the most appearances in the Champions League semi-finals without ever making it to the final. So, for them, it was really about breaking that duck and and um, really pushing themselves further to to reach that stage. They managed to reach the semi-finals last year. Uh, this time last year, and they played against Al Hilal of, of Saudi Arabia, but. Um, in the second leg, they got absolutely thrashed four 0 and on paper they probably had a better team than than they do now in terms of personnel. Yet uh, here we are talking about Perspolis in in the final, and some of the challenges that uh, that Bronco has had and, and police as a, as a club that they've had to deal with. Um, there's there's been plenty, and, and some of I mean the main one probably is uh, the fact that police are currently having a transfer embargo. Um, uh, to, I think it's two transfer windows that they were unable to to buy players, and it's from the time that Mehdi Toremi left the club to 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 join the Turkish club by the name of Rizespor, and uh, he broke his contract after only a few weeks. and I resigned for purse police which then uh, brought the consequences and, and uh fifa banned uh purse police from uh, being able to buy plays and this had knock-on effects as well after the after the world cup um a few players uh left the club on a free such as Wahid amiri um and they were left really with a very thin squad and his ability to to really get the best out of uh, the so the resources that he has and, and the plays that he has is absolutely fantastic and I always go back to, to Branko Ivankovic's time as, as Iran manager in, in the 2006 World Cup and and uh, you know, the the amount of criticism towards him was, was so bad at the end of that tournament where he didn't return to Iran from Germany uh, with the team he, he stayed in Germany and, and went back to his homeland in, in Croatia um, so one of the Points of criticism towards him in that tournament was, uh, uh, you know, the team not being fit enough, um, always running out of fuel in the, in the last fifteen twenty minutes. You know, going back to the games against Mexico and, and Portugal in particular. But I think that's one of the things that's been. Um, I think he's he kind of learned his lessons. Let's just say, and then, um, the uh, the fitness coach Marco Stilinovic, which uh, I mean. Uh, Pasha, you've, you've spoke to almost all the coaching staff at Persepolis, mm-hmm. they've done a fantastic job fitness-wise, I mean, yeah. watching the games, not just the second leg against Al Saad, but generally every single time they've played uh, in the Champions League, knowing the thing squad that they have, knowing that they don't really have many options coming off the bench to change the game, or, or even a fresh pair of legs, uh, the same quality of the ones already on the pitch. To be able to get those fitness levels up to the level that they are right now is uh, a testament to the fantastic work done by Branco. And they've won the league uh, twice in a row uh, for the first time since 2000. Um, there's so many um, records being broken and uh, it's a fantastic achievement for them. And Again, very similar to Kashima. They're, um, they're one of the big teams domestically. They've won the league so many times, yet that continental trophy is, um, has kind of eluded them. and. And in terms of motivation, I mean, Scott spoke about Kashima wanting to play in that Club World Cup. That's where their ambitions are. They played in that mm-hmm. tournament before and and they want to get there again. For Peris Police, the obsession with, with and the the, the, um, the motivation to win that Continental Trophy is, is kind of different to that. I mean, of course, a majority of people would know about the rivalry between SLR and Peris Police and the fact that SLR have. Won the Champions League twice in their history, so, Police fans, as uh, you know, the fans and the club as well, they've had to deal with that taunting and, and, and with that pressure that you know your main rivals have won this trophy twice, and it's about time that uh, you know Police, as a big club they are, they they need to achieve this as well. It's a massive, it's a massive task at hand. I would probably say Kashima are favourites. Uh, for the uh, for the final, um, but again, it doesn't take anything away from uh, from Paris. Police and, and what they've been able uh, to achieve um, in these past two or three years on the Branco Branco
0: Scott, I really want to hear your thoughts on Paris. Police, obviously, um, you know you've been such a world traveler for uh, football. You've been to Iran. You know, Iranian football from back of your. Head and everything and uh, I just want to add that when I was in during the summer when I was in um, in Iran I sat down with Bronco I had a chat with him and as soon as I brought up the question of why Iranian um, club struggle i can't I will never forget the way he laughed and he said he could write a book on it and now to <coughs> see this man has made it to the final with you know as you see with whats you know pinpointed you know with the transfer ban you know and how he advocates for some of his players to you know, go to Europe, and I believe he's even held, like, well, I mean, one of the former players that, uh, when he was playing now in Croatia, he's, he was a big, Bronco was really a big advocate behind that when he was telling me um, before leading up to it, but could you tell us about um, Paris Police and just, you know, and fans that are listening to us, what they could expect from the Azadi ID and what not?
1: I don't know if I'm the best person to um, to answer all of those questions. To be uh, totally honest, but um, yeah, as you said, I have I've been to Iran um, uh, twice. Once I was actually deported on arrival, so um, I didn't um, <laughs> see that much. That's a, that's another story uh, for another day. But um, on the second time, I, you know, I I went in when I was working with Guam, and and we had the the really the joy and and great privilege of going to the Azadi because it's one of them, um, as you guys know. But I think as all uh, Asian football fans know, it's. Um, it's like the Holy Grail, right? I mean, it's one of the, you could say, three or four most kind of storied venues in in Asian football, if not indeed uh, beyond that. So for me to be there, it was a you know, it was a hell of an experience, a spine tingling kind of thing. Even the crowd wasn't uh, totally sold out, um, you know, when we played, but still there were there were a lot of people there, and you got the sense of, of the atmosphere uh, inside the venue. And and you know, we've all seen uh, what goes on, uh, you know, with the derbies and and how difficult it is for people to get in. Uh, it's obviously worth pointing out here again that we'd love to see women uh, allowed into this venue, uh, as should be the case uh, throughout the footballing world. And you know that's a decision now that the AFC will have to uh, take a stand on, as was the case uh, when Western Sydney went to um, to Saudi Arabia and, and made that a, a bit of a point. I think you could probably expect um, that to be an issue that's going to be talked about quite a bit uh, in the build up uh, to that uh, second leg. And we hope that uh, women certainly are allowed into that venue as they should be. But um, yeah, as you said, you know, overcome the odds, really. Um, in, in this year, to, to be where they are, and, and I mean, Iranian football in a way is similar to Japanese football. I, I don't know off the top of my head, but I imagine that uh, perhaps only Korea would give these two nations a run for their money in terms of the players that they export uh, uh, you know, across to Europe, particularly a lot of good young talent, which makes the league, um, you know, regenerating the league um, a, a priority. And so, you know, it's great to see that um, it's still, you know, with these. Um, Restrictions, particularly in the Iranian case, you're not only losing players, but um, you know, in, in this case of Persopolis you're you're being forced to um, deal with the squad you have in terms of you can't make um, you know changes to it as well. Um, and uh, let, let's just see uh, you know how that story plays out uh, in, in the long run here over these two legs of the final. But um, uh, I think it's a great thing. It's uh, it's, a, it's a dream final in, in many ways. You know, a major power of of East Asia, of Japan, who's never made it to, to the Champions League final before, up against you know one of these uh, mm-hmm. again uh, clubs in a very similar situation in Iran. The fact that the second leg is uh, scheduled to be played uh, in Iran, I mean, it's it's everybody's dream, right? I mean, uh, surely it's the AFC's a uh, dream. It's a match I think that will you know capture the attention not just of people within Asia, but but hopefully um, you know people beyond that as well because you know the crowd is going to be there the atmosphere even you know watching that um, uh, second leg game on on TV you know, the constant um, noise that comes you almost can't uh, yeah, right. you know I mean the, when the first goal went in you didn't know what was going on but suddenly the, the crowd is just silent and then you know a minute or so later they're back up and, and singing again. so the, the stage is certainly set for a fantastic match between you know these two clubs uh, and then it comes down to tactically, Who's going to get on top? I, I think I agree with Asana uh, that, um, that Kashmir probably, uh, I, I think, should be the favourite uh, across the two legs. For me, as fantastic a, a story as it is and, uh, and certainly a coach that um, I respect very much in Bronco as well, uh, uh, for me tactically there's still a little bit of an unusual side. In that, uh, Hold my hand up and say, you know, I don't watch every a game they play, but certainly on the evidence that I've seen uh, in the Champions League, they, they play very narrow, <laughs> the, uh, really. the midfield, I mean, you have this kind of flat back four, and then you almost have a uh, kind of three blocks of two, you know, the two uh, sixes, if you want, uh, two eights or two tens, and then uh, mm-hmm. the, the two central strikers as well. And I mean, you saw how they got caught out for the first goal. Uh, I mean, they're, they're narrow going forward, but they're also narrow uh, defensively as well at points. And so if you can uh, get the ball quickly, uh, out wide and then back in there's a lot of space uh, to exploit as we saw uh, also I'll do that very um Effectively for that first goal, so this is something that I'm sure Kashima uh, will have watched. And if you try to play um, centrally through a team uh, such as Kashima, I think you're going to have far less joy uh, than you've had up, up to this point in the tournament, because that's really the the great strength of, of their side. A, a young Japanese international, Kento Masao, one of the greatest foreigners in my opinion, that's played here in a long time. In the Brazilian, uh, Leo Silva, fantastic uh, central midfielders, and I think you'll see the wide guys that drop in and, and you know really work to to cut those spaces off. So. It's going to be interesting to see how Franco um, approaches the uh, tactically how uh, the Kashmir coach at Woiwa, who uh, we should point out has only actually been coaching for, uh, I think this will be his third season now after being promoted uh, midway through the campaign when they failed. Uh, to to actually get out of the, uh, the the group stage into the second round a couple of years ago in the AXL um the, the previous guy was sacked and he was brought in he's done a fantastic job since then but he's still you know in terms of if you compare the coaching experience with Bronco um, very much a novice uh, in that regard but uh, you know I think tactically there's certain areas uh, there that Kashma can look to exploit and um, and I think they will.
0: Right, Scott. Before I uh, <clears throat> you came to the next... sorry,
1: just. Yes want wanted to make a really quick point on the, on the back of
2: uh, what Scott said, and then you mentioned something really important in terms of the tactical uh, battle mm-hmm. of the game. And you know, the, he mentioned something very important that the, the, the way the Perspolis is playing. they play with a narrow diamond, which is the reason why they lost so heavily to Al Hilal last last season in the in the semi-final. And, um, what Hilal did was they managed to actually add, add the fullbacks as uh, you know to the wingers, support them on wide areas, and get the crosses into the back post, which basically is how they scored the four goals in that uh, in the I think it was the first leg, if I remember correctly, um, which is what Al Sad couldn't necessarily do in this game. But I would I would give Bronco the benefit of the doubt to say he learned from his mistakes last year. But personally will be very predictive in in the way they. They play, um, they will not change their shape, they will not change um, their formation, they will stick to the narrow uh, narrow diamond with the two strikers, mostly because of course the lack of personnel, but also it's, it's a formation that has been working for two seasons for Persepolis now, uh, domestically and of course now in the continental stage as well, so uh, it'd be very unlikely that, that Barranco will change that shape uh, for the two games. But, could be a point where where um, Koshima have the uh, hand uh, on their space.
0: Sina, yeah, that was my uh, next topic I wanted to talk to you guys about, which you guys just uh, pinpointed a little bit about, um, is tactics. Sina, so, you know, if you could just a little bit talk about what do you expect, how Bronco is going to approach this game with the players, you think that potentially we start? And also, I have a question for you from uh, Twitter, which I appreciate from at the fire boat. He mentioned that it's remarkable that this Paris Police seem one drain of almost all his talent when most quality players have left the eye. Iranian Persian League, is the one to finally make it to the ACL final. Bayron Van is a legend. Do you think he's getting enough credit, or are we still romanticizing past players?
2: Well, I think uh, in terms of uh, the plays that are available uh, for the final, I think the main play that will be missed, and he was sort of uh, missed in the semifinal against Al Sad is. Um, the vice-captain of the club and, and right-back, Hossein Mohini, who, who's had a, a crucial ligament injury and he will be out for seven to eight months, unfortunately for him. Um, and the usual right-back that was there last season, Sadio Moharrami, as, as you mentioned, he's gone to Croatia to play for Daniel Zagreb. So they are left in a position where they, they are without a recognised right-back. Now, we saw Shreder Khalil Zodhi, who is a centre-back, playing that role against saudsak which against uh, Akram Afif as well huh. plays in asia and i don't i don't think he did a very good job and i think that is one of the weakest spots in the team now um and one that Koshima certainly has to aim for if they are uh, to to uh, get a result against police. we saw um Al playing center back with jalal hussaini a veteran um is so playing at a at a high level but i think the ones around him really need to to help him out and because of course he doesn't have the pace uh, I mean, he was never a pacey defender anyway but, but now certainly at the age of i think he's 36 37 he certainly doesn't mm-hmm. have any pace so the ones around him certainly need to help him out um Bayron man is probably the unsung hero, uh, if I may call him that, is. and it's mostly because, as you mentioned, a lot of players left during the summer. Vahid Hamiri went to Trabzonspor, Sadik Mahrami went to Croatia, Fashad Ahmad Zdodde, to Poland, and of course, Moussa Musalman who who had his problems with uh, with Bronco, Moldo. he was a he was still a very key player, uh, but yeah, he left the club. Um, Veira in spite of the great performances in the World Cup and the offers, multiple offers that he had from Europe, he said, I'm going to stick with Persepolis until at least January, until this transfer embargo is over. Um, so he's he's been loyal to the club and he, he pulled off uh, two or three fantastic saves in his house to, to help him reach the final. He will be key as well because, look, in the big games he does show up. Uh, in, in, in fairness to him, but he does have his moments of uh, madness. Let's just say where he does make the odd decision here and there, and could turn out to be costly. I'm hoping that's not the case. Um, but he will be a key player as well. If I'm if I'm correct, he's one of the players nominated for the Asian Footballer of the Year. Um, he's had a fantastic year. It would be brilliant for him to top it off with a uh, with the with the Champions Asian Champions League medal as well. Um, but also another player that is a doubt uh, for the final is um, Ahmad Lahi, who is, a, I would say, a box-to-box uh, midfielder, but Cal, he's versatile, he can play in different roles. Um, I thought he was he, he was brilliant against al Sad. He's a player that always puts in a shift, always works hard. He's uh, disciplined tactically, he takes instruction as well. Um, he a doubt, um, so I'm not sure if he'll be playing. So replacing him could also be uh, an issue. But the main player for Police for me is, uh, well, the main combination, let's just say, is God, the Nigerian striker Godwin Mencha and Ali Alipur uh, both playing up front. And I think that's something um, that police will be threatening uh, Koshima from because they both will be working and they are both really, really hardworking strikers. They will be putting um, the back four under pressure and they're both very pacey as well. So on the counter, do not doubt that they'll be chasing every single ball to make sure that they can at least, uh, you know, create half a chance uh, if they have to.
0: Scott, feel free to add anything to what, um, you know, Sina mentioned. just coming back um, to you, is it? if you could just tell us a little bit more about how you would expect Kashima Anders to... Uh, Line up and set up formation, especially in the first leg, and also a dear friend of the and somebody that she knows, Scott, very well. Martin Lowe sent us a question. This is uh, directed for you: Is um, what needs to occur in your opinions for the West to triumph over the East in the ACL final? And why is the alternative so clearly the case in the AFC Cup?
1: Um, <clears throat> that's a discussion that we could uh, we could take into um, well into the, the the next day, where we mm-hmm. each are. So I'll, I'll touch on it in a minute um, after just quickly. I got the question. But firstly, I agree with. Um, uh, with with Sinner's assessment of, of Nurulahi, I thought he was a, a fantastic player in the second leg, and of course, Abeyrund uh, made a you know collection of uh, amazing saves to, to keep them in that tie as well. So two uh, you know really standout performances from that second leg. The, there's also a lot of injury uh, concerns really at, at, at Kashima as well. I mean, they have a uh, several guys who are out um, uh, long term. Uh, one of their key uh, Brazilians, Leandro, was injured early in, in the J League and hasn't played um, since then. And in recent weeks as well they've lost another winger in uh, Nakamura the the fullback Atsuto Uchida of course was a a long-term servant of the the Japan national team played in the Bundesliga for many years as well he's out but uh, perhaps just as important is, um, is the guy that's often the captain of the team now, uh, Yosushi Endo, the right um, winger. He was um, uh, injured recently as well, and, uh, and may not be right for the first leg. And then on top of all that, they have the guy that um, is the left winger, the young guy Abe, who's away with the Japan Under 19 uh, team. They just got through uh, tonight to the semi-final, so I don't think he'll be uh, back in time for certainly the first leg either. So if you look at the team that you know that would have gone, and this is of course leaving aside uh, the fact that Namichi Wada, who uh, was a, a World Cup defender. Departed the club of Europe midway through the year as well. So if you you look at the team at the start of the year, you know you could say probably half of that uh, team has either moved on or is uh, unavailable. And Mook Kanazaki was another one, actually, the the striker who uh, transferred to to Tosu in the mid season window here. <coughs> Uh, also, so they, they have a lot of uh, concerns uh, to deal with there. Yeah, the good news, though, um, is that, again, uh, Shoji, another uh, defender that was with Japan at the World Cup, uh, who's been out uh, basically since uh, that World Cup break, has just come back in the last uh, couple of weeks. And so he'll uh, line up in goal. I mean, they pretty much, um, uh, you know, as you touched on in terms of Persopolis, um are very uh, rigid in the way that they line up uh, tactically it's a 4-4-2 with uh w- with two wingers two central and midfielders that do like to to push forward and then the the two strikers are a junior the the hero really of the of the semi-finals has been a revelation he's he only come in a midway through the season kind of started uh, slowly It didn't really look like uh, much of a player to be honest in the first couple of games but um you know since then he's really uh, blossomed into a into a threatening play but you know as i said the this brazilian uh, mentality that runs through the club is one that you know they're not going to sit back um pretty much home or away and you know i mean i don't, don't think it's really going to bother them the fact that the, you know the second leg is away because uh, wherever they are they're going to they're going to attack and then this is the the philosophy and the mentality of the club and it has been that way uh for a long time i mean you know even the really the second leg of, of the semi final they they looked dead and buried, uh, to be honest. There was seemingly no way back. But um, you know they dug deep and and they kept playing the way that uh, they liked to play, and you know got those couple of goals. Um that, you know, allied with uh, a brilliant performance from the Korean goalkeeper Kunsinte, who's uh, was not really probably even a nailed-on first choice at the start of the season. He came across from John Book a couple of years ago, struggled to hold down at regular starts, but he's been a fantastic. Also, um, prone to occasional uh, you know lapses and, and mistakes, but uh, you know when when the big matches have, have been on the line, he's, he's really stepped up and helped them. So, yeah, certainly injury concerns uh, to deal with. On, on to Martin's question: like, This is a. Um, I mean, this is a really difficult one, and we could talk about it for for hours and yeah. and, and, hours and hours and hours. I mean, I've um, I, I, I've often been a proponent of, of this idea that, that it's very hard to flesh out in a in a small period of time. But basically, there's a um, there's a rotating uh, a series of clubs. It's almost like what you see with the Nations League a concept, in a way, where you continually. Um, uh, play games. I mean, you have to have an endpoint. Uh, at some point, it might not even uh, be annually. It might be biannually. I don't know. And and but under um under the way that I've kind of devised this thing is that um, the the clubs that start from a certain nation uh, don't necessarily hold their um their, their spots in it. So you, you must also maintain a domestic form to keep. uh, holding your spot uh, in the continental uh, space. This is a a hell of a long uh, theory. Maybe I'm going to write it down one day and and we can discuss it over there. But um, outside of that, another thing that I'd like to see considered uh, is that you know now we have this uh, situation where we have to play home in a way, I understand, because the crowds, you can't have a central uh, location. But what I would like to see at least thought thought about is, is, say, from the knockout uh, phase on, there's some... A uh, form of points or some uh, calculation that's devised, and and we get to the point where the final is a one-off final, but it's hosted by the nation that uh, has earned the most of these points, whatever uh, things they are, you know, wins, uh, goals scored, uh, clean sheets, uh, cards, whatever you, you want to throw into the mix, and and store it all around. So we come out with a one-off final, and it's hosted either in the east or west, but it's hosted by the nation that's earned it uh, by getting there. So it means, you know, say, for example, you even have a, I don't know, a three or a four nil lead or something in the first leg that you still need to go out and, and ensure you play your, your strongest team and you try and score goals or, or whatever the criteria is uh, in, in the second leg to make sure that you keep, you know, picking up these points so that you then uh, earn the right to, to host the final. So I think if, um, if it's put that way... Um, there's an advantage, but it's an advantage the, that's an earned one. So you know, we then we can't complain. Okay, this team was here in part of the season. This team was in in their part of the season. You know, at least it gives um, clubs an incentive. Um, you know, whatever point of the competition it started to to basically earn the right to host the final, which I think um, you know still should be a a, a one-off final.
0: Sina, so, you know, is there is there anything uh, you would like? Because, I mean, there's another um, question that we have that this question could also be like another episode for itself, but I'm really curious to hear what you have to add on to what Scott had to say before we uh, talk about what you guys think about, you know, the results and everything.
1: He fell asleep due to my long and uh, complicated explanation about a in no, no, I
2: put myself on mute and I uh, forgot to take it off mute, so sorry. Um, no, I think in terms of what Scott said, I think... It's interesting. I mean, there's there's different theories, but I remember one thing that they did try, which on paper it it, it did sound like a good idea, but it turned out. I mean, in reality, it turned out that it wasn't. I remember in the early two thousands, they tried to uh, put a neutral uh, neutral venue for semi finals and the final. If I remember correctly, I, uh, Scott can correct me if I'm. Uh, if i'm wrong but i remember i think uh, tehran and azadi stadium was uh was the host for the semi-final and final for one year and mm. suwon so in, um, in in korea was uh, were the host uh, for the year after or the year before and on paper it sounds like a good idea you know the fans would know that their teams are going to be playing in one location they could travel if they want to um but in reality, it turned out that, they, that it wasn't. And, and they've tried different things in uh, in the last couple of decades. But I, I'm, I'm not sure if there is, um, let's say, uh, a right way of doing this. I think there will always be difficulty. There's not a perfect uh, perfect idea or perfect scenario, let's say. I think there will always be some um, uh, negative points about any any plan that they put into place in terms of the final, whether it's the one leg, two leg or a neutral venue or who, who gets to host it and, and so on. So, uh, And it's mostly because, of course, they, uh, because, I mean, people compare it to Europe. Of course, it's, it's incomparable to Europe uh, because of many reasons that uh, I don't think we have time to, to go into. But I would say for now, I think the two-legged final it probably works. Um, uh, works for now um i think it's really important that uh, fans are able to see um their own teams and i always think of iran and iran as a, as a country and football fans in iran generally uh, come from a, a working class background very poor backgrounds they don't usually have the money to travel um let's say to east asia or even any any other location to be able to to watch their teams and and my fans i'm talking about the ones who who Go to Azadi Stadium from all corners of Iran just just to watch their team in the semi-final or even now the final. So I think it's really important to be able to reward those fans and and um, if it wasn't for those fans and I'm sure there are more similar stories to police around Asia as well. But sometimes the the passion of the fans and and, and the way they support it gets the team to where they are right now, and I have no doubt that that kind of support has helped Perspolis police in, in their journey. Uh, to the final, so I think it's really important to be able to re- reward those fans and reward the support that they've given, and and give them the chance to uh, to witness something so historical, especially for a club like Persepolis, as, as we mentioned. Um, so I would say, for that reason, I, I think I, I'm personally I'm i uh, I would agree with the current um, with the uh, with the current scenario in place in terms of the two-legged final. But of course we, we know with AFC and, and, and the plans and um we have to wait and see what happens in the future.
0: Two more questions for you guys before we wrap this uh, preview up. Scott, um what are your predictions and um what do you think is gonna happen? I know you you know, touch base on this you believe that Kashima Anders possibly will win, but um we just wanna know what you think is gonna happen in these past two legs and um what should be our expectation. <sighs>
1: yeah Tough I mean it's, uh, one, but it's just it's just so hard to say, and just yeah, going back to what Sina said, I was actually at one of these um, neutral uh, venues, I think it was 2009 and 2010, they they played them in Tokyo, actually, both of those uh, finals. One of them was um, the uh, the now-fated uh, uh, Korean side, uh, Songnam um, uh, Chuma, I think it was actually Zobahan that they, they played in, in that final, and you know, they couldn't give um, tickets away for uh, for love nor money, I think the, the stadium was kind of half full, so I'm certainly against uh, neutral uh, venues as well, but... Uh, I'm keen to uh, flesh out my uh, revolutionary idea of, uh, of points and earning your way into the final, but um, it, it, it's a compli- complicated situation also because we look at the situation now where Kashmir have been uh, playing all these condensed um, matches due to the World Cup. Uh, you know, the J League had a had an extended break here, so the the league fixes were crushed um, either side of that. And uh, as I said, they played just a, a truly stupid uh, number of games. Uh, so you know, on the one hand, the their uh, their fit uh, in, in terms of uh, you know in, in form tactically the the teams um at an advanced stage uh, you know because of the point of the season where, where we're at compared that to um you know the situation with the uh, this where they haven't um, you know actually been uh, playing for for too long in their domestic campaign so you think uh, okay maybe it's gonna uh, suit Kashmir but then maybe the other element I don't know is gonna suit the uh, Persopolis because you know, the 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 wear and the tear is not so much there in the squad we've seen the injuries that have uh, Come as a result of that for Kashmir, and then the fact that uh, the the two legs of these are only a week apart, right? It's uh, it's this weekend and then the following weekend. Is that yeah. is that correct? Yes, that's right. Yes. So I mean, also, oof, you know, I'm I, <laughs> I, don't know, and I, you know, I don't, I don't know the plans of of Kashmir, but often, you know, money's not so much of of, of an impact um, for these teams. I don't know the plans for Posoblis either, but you know, it wouldn't be beyond the pale, for example, if you know there were um, at least talks or a consideration given from from the from the J League, um, you know, perhaps to to support Kashmir in terms of, you know, how they actually get across into Iran. We've seen other you know, wealthy uh, kind of nations in Asia do this in the past, where they've chartered uh, you know flights and and kind of kitted them out with um, the rehab and medical uh, facilities. So you know, this is certainly an option that uh, if if Kashmir were to consider it, I'm sure wouldn't be um, you know totally beyond the the economic um, realities of the situation. So often, um, you know, it's it's what goes on in the background. You touched earlier, you know, with the the conditioning staff and the medical staff. You know, these guys are really the unsung uh, heroes of, of often these kind of tournaments where. We've had the whole tournament stretched out uh, since the beginning of uh, February, when the uh, you know when the qualifiers were happening, and now here we are. And for some reason, I don't quite know why, crushing uh, you know the actual final into a space of uh, of seven days. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. I'm sure there's a reason um, behind uh, exactly why it's happening. Maybe it's another argument, uh, you know, as to why there should only uh, be one leg. But um, I think, with all those things considered, you know the the resources that are potentially available. Uh, to customer. should they uh, use them the the fact that i really expect them to go uh hard uh, during the first leg uh, they have uh, dangerous threats in front of gold that, that are in a good form domestically they're in good form uh, on the continent that would have taken a hell of a lot of confidence from the way that they fought back uh to progress uh, against Suwon. and like i said they're, they're almost fearless uh, wherever they are in you know, even if they're, you know, so they get a goal or two up, I don't think they're going to necessarily sit and look to, to try and contain. You can almost see them, you know, pushing on and, and trying to really make sure that they seal it as much as they can in that a first leg. And, and equally, um, I mean, we saw the the first leg there were a couple of goals down. They fought back to 3 2, two away goals for so one You think, um, you know, they might be in trouble with a. You know, they went there and and they played positively in in Korea as well. So even if disaster did strike in the first leg, I don't think we could rule them out in that uh, circumstance either. So I think, you know, with all these things, and obviously I profess to know a lot more about Kazuma than I do about uh, Persopolis, but... um, for mine, I think uh, that we have to say the favouritism lies at this point uh, with Kashmir both on the field, are uh, perhaps uh, also off the field. Uh, maybe Pastrous, you know, you know the the travel arrangements with um, with Pesopolis, when they're actually uh, getting into into Japan in terms of were domestic fixtures are postponed, uh, any anything like this? Well, the, I mean
2: going back to the semi final i think they had a game um, uh, postponed uh, prior to the to the second leg i'm not 100% sure who they were playing but i do remember a game uh, being postponed to a later date but, and they do have a game between the uh, the two legs of the final i think as far as i know they are they got they are currently in talks with the league and and the opposition team to postpone the game to a to a later date but whether they will succeed or not is a different question and if I remember correctly, they are playing Zobahan or or Sepahan, which will be a big and, and and very heavy game. They're not they're not easy opposition to play against. So, um, we'll just have to wait and see what happens in, in that as well. I mean, we're talking about Iran, it could be a matter of the day before the game. They say, oh, the game is the game uh, is postponed, and <laughs> we agreed on something. So, uh, it's, it's it's really hard to predict from now. Um, but as far as I know, they they would like to to postpone. Uh, the game, but I'm not sure if there's been any confirmation in terms of uh, the game actually being uh, agreed to be postponed or not.
0: Sino, so, you know, uh, what are your predictions, and how do you think um, Broncos gonna set up his team?
2: Well, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I think pressures are very predictive in, in the way they will line up formation-wise, and, mm-hmm. and uh, as, as I said, having so many, uh, especially when it comes to the defensive side, having people out with injuries, it kind of uh, it's out of his hand who plays where. I mean, the way. They lined up against Al Sad in the uh, in the second leg which Shahrul Khalid had right back and um, mosleh Musleh left back with Ansari and Hosseini in the middle. I think that's probably what he will go with as well. Although I still have my doubts in terms of um uh, playing right back. I mean, the first leg against the, in the first leg against Al Sadd away from home, he played Siomak Ansari. Uh, sorry, Nemati, the the man who scored the goal in the second leg. He was playing right back in the first leg. Uh, out of position so i wonder if that's something that uh, he would consider as well but in terms of shape and formation uh it will be a narrow um diamond in the middle with two strikers um so again it comes down to how kashima will will approach this game and, and of course we know the uh, the goal scoring record of kashima and the you know the uh, fantastic scoreline uh, scoreline both legs uh, in the east side between um them and uh, was it uh, was it so on? Samsung, yeah, yes. Um, so you know, they will be able to score, you know, they have the potency to score. Um, so maybe that makes it easier for personalities to know that all they have to do is uh, just defend, like the case i said, and try and hope that there will be defensive weaknesses in the customer um, back for that they can exploit. But the important thing for me is, how will he, what kind of instructions will he give the? the midfield for will they uh, be supporting the fullbacks, or will they just be making sure that no balls go through in the middle and try and push the other team wide, so again, it's one of those things we'll just have to wait and see, but it's so important so important for first to make sure that they are in the tie uh, before the second leg in Ozody, so uh, I don't think they will be aiming for anything other than a, a draw at best um, away in Japan uh, but another, uh, just a question i've got for scott as well this is a second i mean it's the second year in a row that we'll we have a japanese uh, finalist. with of course around rebel reds winning it last year um i mean i don't want to say if if they are if japanese clubs are on the rise because of course they've always been one of the you know, some of the biggest clubs in, in asia but i would i would like to take it back to china and say what's happened to the chinese clubs because <laughs> for a few years after the 2010s they were uh, qualifying for the for the semi-final and final quite regularly. So what's happened with the Chinese clubs? I and mean, we didn't have one. We didn't even have a semi-finalist this year. So why the sudden um, decline in the Chinese clubs? And is that partly why
1: the Japanese clubs have been able to to reach the final twice uh, in two years now? I guess it's it's probably worth pointing out that this was, uh, I guess, a a renaissance in a way for Japanese football because they hadn't, uh, prior to that, made the final, uh, I think it was almost uh, eight or nine years uh, since since, uh, Gumbra had won it, since they'd actually had a nation in the final, And, and if we look at uh, China. I mean, really, we need to actually say it's it's basically Guangzhou, right? I mean, they were uh, the team that were in in those finals. That uh, they were the team that were consistently making it through. There were other teams, uh, you know, that did get out of the group stage, but never, you know, really looked like um, going as far as uh, Guangzhou. And this year, uh, for the first time in in almost a decade, uh, basically as well, you know, their domestic um, uh, control has been under threat. There's a lot of issues going on uh, in Chinese football with um, you know regulations designed to Curb, uh, you know, big name foreigners coming in, and then the promotion of of youth. And and this year they introduced this. Rather complicated system where if you wanted to have a foreign player on the pitch, you needed to have a, a Chinese national uh, who was an under twenty-three uh, player on at the same time, which meant you need a, an advanced degree in mathematics to uh, to, to, to make your matchday uh, substitutions and and all these kind of things. I think combined to bring ever so slightly uh, Guangzhou back to the pack uh, domestically, and I think you know we've perhaps seen the the flow on uh, impact of, of that uh, in terms of the ACL, and, and we might see it. Uh, in terms of years to come, as well, for some reason that uh, you know, whoever's making the decisions in charge—the the government, or the football association, or or, or owners, or the clubs—but uh, you know, some of these things are really uh, kind of head scratching. Uh, what's going on? And I don't know if you know. Just uh, a couple of weeks ago, again, we don't know quite who made the decision, but it was obviously as someone quite powerful. They. Um, They decided for reasons uh, uh, totally, um, in my opinion, illogical with the four matches to go uh, in the end of the season, they called up uh, uh, at a training camp of... Again, it's quite unusual—an under twenty-five uh, national team, which I've never heard of—and and they plucked uh, almost forty players uh, out of <laughs> out of these clubs. I mean, unilaterally, the clubs had no say; they had to release these players, and they they shipped them off to a, a kind of military uh, army-style boot camp, uh, you know, way off in the in the Chinese mountains, and, and made them shave their heads and go through all this um, kind of ridiculous thing. So there's a there's a whole host of problems um, going on domestically in in China. I think that was probably part of the reason why, yeah, you know, we didn't. See one of the teams that make it in the final this year, and you know, if this kind of um, nonsense continues, uh, it might be uh, you know, a hell of a long time until we
0: see them back there again, guys. Uh, last point um, predictions for this first leg. I'm gonna come up with Cena. Would you? It's, uh, <laughs> it's This is the part I'm really,
2: really not good at, and I don't want to, that's yeah. all, but. Um, I think it's, it's hard for Persepolis to keep a clean sheet away from home, uh, yeah. considering the, yeah. all the things we discussed in terms of uh, Kashima's uh, re- goal-scoring record. Um, but I also think um, they do have what it takes on the counter, and they do have the pace to hurt Kashima. Um, so I'm kind of hopeful, um, and I will go for a, a one all draw uh, for
0: the for the first leg. Scott, if you could give us your predictions, and there's a question uh, for you from Nima Asadi at Nima18. He's asking if you think the current format makes sense um, for the Asian Champions League, and he was mentioning, I understand the issue with the distance between the countries, but isn't there a better solution? Like, what if the East and the West meet in quarterfinals instead of the final? Which could be another episode in itself, but if you could just give (laughs) touch touch base on that, we'll appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't um, give you any kind of uh, guarantee prediction with any uh, form of, um, you know, assurance because otherwise I'd, I'd be living, um, you know, the, the life in the Maldives or somewhere <laughs> rather than um, doing podcasts on Asian football. But um, I, I, I just think that... Uh, the, the potential scoring ability of, of Kashmir is going to override the uh, the potential uh, defensive control and, uh, and organization of uh, Persopolis. And I think if Kashmir get a goal uh, early, they're, they're going to put their foot down and, and really go for it. And I don't know, in that uh, situation, how... Persopoulos are likely to respond. Um, I mean, you know, the, there comes a point where you you must uh, look to to stem the flow and, and stem the damage, but in a way that only uh, plays more into Kashima's hands. And maybe the you know there should be a temptation to, to try and see what you you can do. And, and if you can pick up an away goal, but I, I think there are defensive frailties uh, for Kashima. I agree, but um, with with Shoji back, you now have a, a Japanese international alongside the Jung, the Korean uh, international in central defence. Daigo Nishi, the right back, has been a fantastic. A score of goals um, in recent times he's not really um the kind of fullback that um, you know bombs up and down but but he does it enough to to really make his presence felt when he's in at uh, the attacking third and, and he's created a lot of goals and he's actually scored a lot uh, domestically and, and in the acl as well at uh, at, at crucial points um and, and they also have uh, a similar kind of player in in yamamoto shuto on, on the other side of the pitch so i think um you know, right across the pitch, even with the players um, that they're missing, this is a very strong Kashima um, side, and, and I think they're going to be too good. Now, and I think they'll win the first leg by a couple of um, goals, uh, although they wouldn't be on, you know, a conceding one as well. So let's say three-one. Um, <clears throat> in terms of yeah, the East and West. I mean, the, the same issues that we have with the final are the issues that we have uh, with the group stage. And again, I've mentioned this uh, kind of floated it uh, as an idea in the past. I don't know how it works in terms of you know marrying up the. The, the times and points of the season and the various climates across the region. But, uh, and again, how are you are going to squeeze it into the calendar? But I wouldn't mind the idea of um, almost looking to have, uh, as you do with international uh, match days, the, the FIFA match days, to have ACL uh, match days as well, continental uh, match days. And, and that would require, uh, you know, obviously the, the cooperation of 47 uh, different people with different uh, political interests and so on. But, I mean, if you had... Um, Say even three uh, of these days, where, where all the leagues across Asia agree to uh, postpone the leagues for for these times, and then you you in essence play three round robin uh, style of matches. So you have them uh, whether they can be I don't know what a at a centralized location or, or whether they can be for, for some reason hosted in, in one of the teams on merit or rotated or or something or other and then you play you know each team maybe plays a two or three uh, matches during these or say two matches on, on three windows and and, and you've got your group stage um, kind of done there where all the leagues are, are shut down, what it also does is it avoids the um, conflict of interest that we've seen, as I touched on earlier, with Cerezo and other clubs across Asia not sending their, their full-strength uh, team you know, to, to kind of hold them back for domestic matches. You you wouldn't have that excuse anymore because the domestic league would be in hiatus anyway. It would um, you know promote, surely, the, the TV rights of, of the product as well if everyone knew that there was no competition uh, for... Um, you know, for, for league fixtures and all the eyes and, and, and dollars and what, whatever else can be um, focused on these uh, group stage matches. I think it's uh, certainly something that, yeah, the AFC um, should should probably look at. But, um, you know, they've got uh, much smarter uh, people than, than us in there uh, trying to sort all these things out. So I'm, I'm sure they'll come up with um, something going forward.
0: Right. Scott, thank you again so much for your time. I know it's like close to like 1 a.m. over there and seeing uh, you as well. And if there's any last things, obviously we're gonna do an analysis, um, post these matches. But Scott, um, just a quick thing, if you could, I mean, I subscribe to this such a fantastic podcast, and as you know, we just focus on, you know, Asian football, but just specifically on Iranian football. The work you guys are doing, you guys are giving the whole well-rounded community of Asian football. And if you could just talk in a little bit in brief about the work you guys are, if people haven't um, listened, which they definitely should, about the Asian Games.
1: Yeah, so just uh, yeah, myself and Paul um, decided that um, you know after talking about it for, for quite a while, we wanted to do something. It's obviously um, ambitious because um, you know he, he's in Australia, I'm in Japan, so we know our own leagues well. And you know, I travel quite a bit, so I know I know a little about a lot. But you know, we uh, we lean on on a lot of um, people to fill in uh, you know that lot about a little, and and that's what we're trying to do. Um, you know, tell the stories of, of not just the big nations and players uh, in Asia, but you know a lot of the smaller ones. Uh, as well, and um, yeah, you know, for, for us, it's a it's a great thrill to be able to do it because we're learning, you know, a lot about um, you know leagues and, and clubs and players that we didn't know about as well, and, and just trying to share those stories with people. So we'd we'd love to have yeah, as many people along for the ride as possible. So um, you can get it where you get all the you know the podcast from the usual um, uh, sources, the the Asian game.
0: Yeah, and the link and everything will be up on the website and everything. Sino, so, you know, thank you so much. I know it's like uh, you're trying to go watch United too right now probably. So, I don't know. <laughs> I've got better things to do, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, gents. I appreciate it.
2: Thank you, guys. Pleasure as always. Yeah, pleasure.